And I'm also grateful to the people, to the refugees who live in our houses. Yeah. They opened our hearts. The atmosphere in our ho homes is, is more familiar. Yeah. <laughs> We are really grateful to them. And I'm grateful to God also for this difficult, hard experience. Welcome everybody back to Valdoko, Silesian Family Podcast. I'm Father Steve. I'm Vicky. And today we have a special guest from Poland. And who do we have here? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. <laughs> sure. <laughs> exactly. My name is Marcin Kaznowski. I'm a Salesian of Don Bosco. And I happen to be the provincial of Salesians, uh, the province of Krakow, Poland. Beautiful. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome here in the United States, in New Rochelle. It's good to have you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And, uh, <laughs> this is actually back-to-back -back international uh, podcast. Last week we had a priest from Jerusalem on the podcast. And now we have somebody who is coming from Poland. You spent some days here visiting some confers, some Salesians who are from your province but are living in the United States, no? Yes, it is my pleasure and my duty as a provincial to visit my conference. Uh, not only a conference in Poland, but mm, we have over 20, I think, Salesians coming from the province of Krakow who work abroad uh, in European countries and four of them stay here in the US and I decided to visit them. I went to Chicago, there are two uh, Polish Salesians, uh, then I went to a small village of Cherry Hill to visit another one, and I'm finishing my visit to the US here in New Rochelle at the Provincial House, but I also went to Port Chester where we have another Polish confer just to visit him, to greet him and to yeah. say him hello. So good. <laughs> and to ask I didn't, him know, how I didn't he... know you did that, that's yeah. so cool. <laughs> that's awesome. And it's good, just another example of, of the big Salesian family. Sometimes we forget how big and international and diverse the Salesian family is in 130-something countries, 31 countries, 32 countries. Um, so, Father, we're glad you're here. Thanks for taking the time. I'm happy to be here. Thank mm -hmm. you for the invitation. <laughs> Always to begin, we have uh, some simple questions we ask, our, we ask our guests. Okay, It's called this or that, meaning we give you two choices and you have to choose one or the other, Okay, according to your preference. <laughs> okay. For example, the one I always go with is, would you prefer to live the rest of your life on a beach or in the mountains? In the mountains. Okay, <gasps> oh very gosh. good. gosh. a lot of those. I'm a beach person. <laughs> He's a mountain person. <laughs> okay, mine for you is, do you prefer writing with a pen or a pencil? With a pen. With a pen. Very good. Okay. <laughs> another, another classic one. I think it does... Your personality brings out your personality on an airplane. <laughs> Do you prefer to sit in an aisle seat or a window seat? It depends. <laughs> <laughs> at night at the window. During oh, the day, smart. At the aisle. Yeah. Right, Genius. Right. Genius. You're, you're a practical guy. Yeah, that's you're very, very practical. practical. Lean on the window to <laughs> go to sleep, right? <laughs> okay, and then mine, I got to go to Poland in 2016 for World Youth Day. Oh, okay. So I visited, uh, I'm going to say it wrong, Krakow. Okay, and Czestochowa. Which city do you prefer? Uh, it's a very difficult question because I live in <laughs> Krakow. I have to love my uh, city. Uh, but both are beautiful. Okay, it's a good political answer. Yeah. <laughs> a provincial has to be a kind of politician. Right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I asked you a horrible question. <laughs> uh, Thank okay. you, Father. Yeah, thanks. And, uh, and now just to get to know you a little bit, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about... <laughs> who you are, kind of 
something quick and simple, but your family, mm-hmm. where you came from, how you met the Salesians, and uh, kind of a little bit of a vocation story, just to kind of get to know you a little bit. I was born in the southeast of Poland, and it's not a big city of Przemysl, very close to the Polish-Ukrainian border, which is interesting for these days. Mm-hmm. My vocational road was not typical, maybe. I joined the congregation when I was 26, before I studied at the Technical University, Computer Science. It's my profession. So uh, I was ordained priest when I was 34, not too young. <laughs> for, the, <laughs> yeah. for the first five years of my ministry, I worked in a school, which is the greatest Salesian school in Poland, in Oświęcim, teaching computer science wow. and religion. Uh, then my, pro- my provincial told me to, um, to become a director of, a, of another school in Krakow. I was the headmaster for four years. Then I became the provincial vicar, and for two years I've been the provincial. My vacation, my vocation as a Salesian was uh, also very interesting when I look back at my past. Uh, when I was four or five years old, my parents bought me a, a toy piano, mm. and I just started to play it. Uh, my neighbor was a director of an orchestra. And he heard my playing through the wall. He came and told my parents, I, I can give him some piano classes. Yeah? Well, he seems to play quite well. Yeah. Uh, he started to teach me. And one year later, he told my parents, it would be good for me to go to a music school. Oh, my mom was not very happy about it because the music school was on the other uh, side of the city. I, I was six. I had to take a bus and it to go 15 or 20 minutes. And I had a normal school next door, so it was a natural choice. But eventually my parents agreed and I went to the music school. And what is the most important thing? The music school was next door to the Salesian church. Wow. So, when I go back to my, to my first years, I think that... If my parents had not bought me the toy piano, I would not sit here as a Salesian today, as a provincial. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So this is also, I think, a kind of um, wisdom for everybody of us to have open eyes because there are no accidents in our life. Everything is is a kind of plan of God, a proposal, a program. God speaks very rarely in a direct mode to anybody. God speaks through other people. God speaks by, by events, by coincidences, yeah. so-called coincidences. But I believe that, that uh, God wanted me there. Yeah. Uh, and I'm happy and I'm thankful to God that uh, I could read yeah. this kind of book or letter mm-hmm. that he sent mm-hmm. me. That's my story. Yeah. Beautiful. Which is so important, no? To have that. I think that's what we try to teach and to accompany the young people, and even for ourselves, to have this reflective, be able to take time and look back and see. Because I do the same yeah, with my life it. and see the different moments of different people and different events that have led you and led me, led Vicky to where we are now. Uh, so it's yeah, it's so beautiful to to see that from looking back. No? But then, what was the moment when you were I don't know twenty six or twenty five? What was that moment that you said, okay, 
it's been a while. It's yeah. been a long time now. <laughs> now it's time. Okay, let's let's go into formation. Let's uh, join. The yeah, it was a kind of progress. It was not just uh, one decision, or I, I didn't see the heaven open, or yeah. <laughs> no angel Dad. came to me and just became a Salesian. <laughs> <laughs> it it was a long way of um, of prayer, of uh, speaking with wise people, mm-hmm. of looking for a sense of life, and uh, of. Uh, a long way of um, friendship with, with many Salesians that were my spiritual guides. And I'm grateful to them because they showed me, showed me this kind of, this proposal of, of way for life. Yeah. I decided to use it and I don't, I don't regret. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think, um, I just love, I love that, the, the time, right, that you're able to look back, but you, that you say it with so much joy. Especially a young provincial, right? It's kind of a. I'm not that young. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm 48 yeah. at the moment. That's so, okay. Yeah. That, I'm not enough. <laughs> yeah. But that you can say it with a lot of joy and like security, right? That you were called that way, and and even just those little moments. I think I I just had someone talk about that that like the little things that happen in our lives that if we're open to it, right? If we're open to the gift of God's grace, <laughs> that we can see what it really means, what it really meant for us, and how it how it changes us and how, because we're open, because your parents were open, that you were allowed to change and start walking where you were meant to be so that you could be sitting here in New Rochelle talking to us in microphones, right? <laughs> the, little, the little steps, That's it's always, it. it's so good. Now as provincial, um, what does that entail? Who are you? Because you have guys here in the United States, and then you have your own province of Krakow there in Poland, but I understand that you also have uh, confers in Ukraine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Salesian reality in Poland looks like this. We have four provinces. So our country is divided into four. In total, we have around uh, 900 Salesians in Poland. Wow. I'm the provincial of the province of Krakow, which is the southeast of Poland, and Ukraine. But to be more precise, the, the Latin rite Salesians of Ukraine belong to our province because they're also Greek Catholic Salesians that have their own legal entity and really? are independent on us. Yeah. So uh, we have, in total, we have around 200 lesions, around 20 working abroad, and around 15 working in Ukraine. Everybody speaking about Ukraine these no. days, mm-hmm. these yeah. weeks. Unexpectedly, three or three months, four months ago, we became a war province yeah. because there is a regular war mm-hmm. on the area of our province, which is a huge challenge. To also to us as Salesians, especially because of two matters. First of all, we have five houses in Ukraine. We have parishes, we have schools, we have youth centers, and we have 15 Salesians who decided to stay there. Uh, on the 24th of February, when the war broke out, I had an online meeting with all the Salesians in Ukraine, and I asked them, do you want to escape? Do you want to go, come to Pol- Poland? Or do you want to stay? And everybody of them told me, I'm staying here with my people, with, with the kids, with uh, my students. And it was very moving to me because nobody knew what, what's going to happen. Uh, it was a kind of shock the first day of war. In fact, nobody or very few people expected it. Mm-hmm. Though there were some signals that something will happen. But everybody hoped that it's just an exaggeration. Yeah. We have two basic challenges now because of the war. The first one is uh, uh, supporting our solutions, our missions in Ukraine, mm. uh, different types of support, spiritual, of course, psychological, financial, mm. 
we send them goods, humanitarian aid, uh, and so on and so on. And the second big area is uh, hosting refugees mm -hmm. who have come and are coming to Poland in huge amounts. Around three million of them. Most mm -hmm. of them are women with children. What is interesting, in the provincial house of Krakow, we, ha we host uh, 15 persons, wow. five wow. women and 10 children. Oh my God. <laughs> starting from three years old until 18. Yeah. So just imagine, they, uh, we have a religious house, yeah, but they live with us, they have meals with us, the babies are running around the tables. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the reality. In our seminary, in our theological institute in Krakow, we have 60 refugees, oh my wow. gosh. around 20 women and 40 children. So it's a huge uh, challenge for not only for us as Salesians, for many families in Poland, yeah. because you have to know there are n no refugees camps in yeah. Poland. Everybody found shelter in with families. Wow. And we are kind of proud of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, it's also, it, it generates some many problems because you, you have to provide food for them, you have to provide uh, uh, medical care, you have to provide schooling, yeah. everything. Most of them do not know, have no idea when they will be able to go back. They would like to, but some of them don't have anywhere to come back. Their houses has, have been destroyed. So we are doing our best to, to help them, just to be with them, just to talk to them, but it's not easy. Uh, now, do they the, speak they the are, same? Can they understand? Would some Ukrainians understand Polish? And can many Poland <clears throat> being on the border? Is there? Yeah, that's why um, most Ukrainians prefer to to stay in Poland uh, because of the cultural vicinity yeah. of, of our two nations. The languages are quite similar. If a Ukrainian person speaks slowly, I'm able to understand mm. him or her more or less the same. The opposite side. They are looking for jobs. They are sending the children to Polish schools. They are integrating into society, which is not easy, but it's possible. I'm very grateful, and I'd like to emphasize this, for any kind of support that have come to us from abroad, from the US, for example, from mission procures, from many donors, individuals, and societies, and companies. Without this money, we, we would not be able to do anything. Yeah. Also from other countries, from Europe, uh, also from people from Poland coming, money, and bringing goods. It was a kind of um, movement of hearts, you know, many emotions, especially in the first days of war. Uh, but we have to be conscious that the longer the war will last, the more difficult it will be to manage mm -hmm. the crisis. Yeah. Because it's human nature, we get used to everything. Right to any emergency situation, to any crisis. After three or four months of this, uh, of this situation, you know, it will be more and more difficult to, to open hearts and to open wallets as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it's normal. So we have to prepare well for the next uh, months or years because nobody knows what's going to happen and how long the war is going to, yeah. to, to last. We are praying so that uh, there's peace in Ukraine as soon as possible, but everything is in God's hands. Yeah. That was something, um, I think the like, ability that humans have to normalize and desensitize from things, especially the beginning, right? That especially when you think social media, because we're, you know, we have social media with our accounts and even just personally, but that how much people can talk about it for a long time and then it falls off, right? Something else comes up that people want to talk about and post about and 
and stuff like that. And there were just, um, I'm really thankful for even just past events that have happened that had me following certain people, right? That kept updating and updating for a long amount of time. And the pictures that came out of, of Ukraine, um, in the first weeks that really put into perspective just the like real disturbance to like the normalcy of life, right? That it's a normal place to live, like well-educated people that makes you really think, okay, like it could be, it could be anybody could have been, could have been us, could have been you, right? It could have been, and it is right. But, um, just these like little things like people, you could tell like moving with just whatever belongings that they could put into whatever bag. And there was this one specific, um, photo that like really sits with me forever. There's two, one of people on a train station platform, right. That looked just like ours, um, waiting for the next train to take them a little further away from wherever they are. Mm -hmm. And then the next was, um, this woman holding a Marshall's bag, like Marshall's that exists everywhere. This reusable bag that probably millions of people have in their closets, in their cars, waiting to fill with whatever. But that in this case, she has it filled with like the things that she's using to flee from her country. And so just like how heartbreaking it is. And it's hard to listen. Right. And so I can't imagine living through it. The people that you're that you're hosting and housing, but also that idea that there are real people living there right now um, waiting for peace and like waiting for aid, whatever that is, hoping that it ends. Um, and then also the idea that the Salesians that you would talk to them. Right. And. And they're like, no, I'm going to stay. And that was something that I learned like years ago um, when the crisis in Syria was first happening. There was a, a priest that had made an appeal and he stayed and um, just like never left. And then I think we talked about it with Adam when we had him on for the Salesian lay missions that Salesians don't leave even in times of crisis that they stay, um, that they make a choice to stay. And even with um, with Ukraine, that they're choosing to stay there with the families and and people that they minister to because that's their people, right? Like, how do you leave? Right. Um, and that was the question that, that that priest had brought up. He was like, you know, would Don Bosco leave? You know, would, would Jesus leave you when you're in the middle of something? And that it's a real witness. Like I'm, those people will never, will never forget the presence of, of the Silesian family with them. And then even like the aid that you're providing in Poland, um, that all the Silesians are providing in Poland, just how, incredible like really there's not enough words i think to describe mm. like how important it is what's happening and how unbelievable because i think we can only dream that we would respond in a generous way but to actually respond in a generous way and with mm. like the with the understanding that this is long term there's no quick fix to yeah. what's going to happen yeah. it's important the solution of don bosco we especially try to take care of uh, the kids of mm -hmm. the children yeah uh, we have to be aware that they are very traumatized. Yeah. Of course, they, they run, they laugh. But uh, when I, it was not me, but one of the solutions gave a toy pistol to one of the, of the small boys, he immediately burst out cry, uh, into crying mm. because he saw two pistols shooting and he, and he saw killed the people in the streets. This is something we can, it's, it's very hard to imagine for us. Mm -hmm. We can be grateful to God that we had a, a kind of peaceful childhood. They didn't have it. Mm -hmm. uh, it just happened. Mm -hmm. What we can do is just to help them carry this burden and live a kind of normal life. So we are doing many activities for the children, especially now during summer, summer camps, some free time activities, uh, 
we have our own uh, young animators coming as volunteers just to spend time with, with those kids. This is all we can do for them. Also, the women are traumatized. Uh, they were often forced to leave their homes in, in a couple of minutes. They only could take one bag. Just imagine to leave everything. Uh, your house, your husband, because men are not allowed to leave the, to leave the country. Uh, with no idea if, when and if you will be able to, to return. Mm. So when it came to Poland, they often they had nothing. We had to buy clothes for them, clothing. We had to buy food, medicines, toys for, for the children. It was winter, it was February, March, oh so it was cold. They spent days at the frontier, though the controls are very simplified. They didn't even have time to take the documents. They just filled in a, a form and they, they were let in to, in Poland just like this. Yeah. So they miss their homes. They, they, they would love to go back. Mm -hmm. In the western part of Ukraine, I went there two weeks ago to meet some of the Salesians. The life lo looks to be quite normal. You can hardly feel the war. Of course, the prices have gone up. And it is very difficult, it's almost impossible to buy uh, fuel, gas. Mm. In the eastern part of Ukraine, there's still war, regular war. It's very dangerous to go there, it's very dangerous to, to come back, so people are waiting. We have some, some people from the east, so mm, they're just sad, and they don't want what is going to happen in mm -hmm. the nearest future. I guess I've, I've got two questions for you. One is about your role as a provincial, and then the second one maybe a little bit more personal, and you can choose to answer or no. Um, but as your role as a provincial, somebody who has to encourage and then animate and take care of all the Salesians, both the guys in formation and the priests and the brothers, uh, how did you prepare or how did you to help them to be generous, to help them to change and be flexible? I mean, to have a seminary that you're going through your normal day and then all of a sudden now you have... 40 or, or 20 women and 40 kids running around and you're studying and you're so what do you what were some things that were said or what were some things that they were encouraged to do or like how do you transition from normalcy to then open up your heart and be flexible and how did, how did you go through that process if you mm. can put that into words a little bit <laughs> <laughs> the question is quite uh, simple and uh, a little bit difficult <laughs> i think that my role as a provincial is uh, a kind of limited it is not me who encourages my comforts to, to, to share love with, with others. It's, it's Jesus. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. Uh, I was a visitor and you, you hosted me in your house. That's enough. Yeah. It's something natural, I think. And I didn't have to do much to convince my comforts, to convince our parishioners that they have to do something about this. Yeah. I'm learning myself as well, because this kind of every crisis situation is, uh, is somehow new for everybody. We have no experience before, mm -hmm. so everything is the first time. This is also the first time. We are never prepared for everything. We are never prepared to, to being a director, to being a provincial. You are becoming a provincial, being a provincial. Yeah. You are learning to drive a car, driving a car. Of course, you can, you can have a course or two. But it's not enough. Yeah. Of course, some basis uh, you can get before, but, but things happen in life. Yeah. 
you you have to i think the only thing the only thing uh, we have to have in our heads is to be open to go beyond our frames or limitations because this is something that uh, jesus calls us to just take your boat and uh, go to the to the deep water and not yeah. do not stay in, in the in the port or in harbor this is my my lecture of the situation, my personal uh, lecture. I'm trying to do my best. If I'm doing it well, <laughs> other people have to, to, to assess it. <laughs> but the second question goes on that is, how has your, if you can answer, you know, how has your prayer life or how has your, your daily life of living the Salesian charism, living the Salesian faith changed, you know, from January to then after the war, keeping all of this together and uh, yeah. how do you stay grounded? How do you stay rooted? Yeah, I'm, my life has changed, definitely, in two directions. Uh, I think I have become more realistic about this world, about politicians, yeah. about those who take important decisions affecting millions of people. Mm. And, which is a paradox, I think, uh, also tragic situation like wars produce a wave of love. Uh, we call it Felix culpa in Latin. So it's a happy fault. Happy fault, yeah. Well, the basic happy fault was the death of Jesus. The, the disaster of disasters, yeah. God was killed. And from this tragedy emerged our salvation, resurrection, and so on. So we, uh, war produces love. I could, I could observe a lot of love a lot of uh, passion among people a lot of open hearts and i'm also grateful to the people to the refugees who live in our houses yeah. they opened our hearts the atmosphere in our ho homes is, is more familiar yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are really grateful to them we are not only donors we receive a lot from people that we that we have that we host it is a miracle for me yeah, yeah uh, it's a miracle of faith also and I'm grateful to God also for this difficult, hard experience. It's like it puts you on mission, almost. Like maybe you weren't, <laughs> like you're not a missionary, right? Not going out and like to another country or whatever. But that I had a short missionary experience oh, in Africa, yes. <laughs> oh, like Father when uh, I was a, Peter. <laughs> when I was a cleric, yes. A couple of months I spent uh, in a very poor country of Malawi, southeast Ooh. of Africa. I went there with a group of uh, lay volunteers to build a school and to to do some training courses for teachers. Okay. Beautiful experience. Also yeah. a, a difficult one, but changing your thinking yeah. about the world, about people, about what life is. Yeah. So you get to live that now in your home, which is kind of beautiful. Strange, yeah. Yeah. but beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you never thought, but yeah. And, and that's exactly what, because so often we try to run from the suffering, we try to run from tragedy, we try to keep ourselves very comfortable and safe, but that's not the way the world works, that's not the world we live in. And also, like you said, there is, there is fruit that comes from the suffering and the tragedy if you're able to, to recognize that you're not alone, you know, one that we are, we have a God who, who went through it you know, and, and knows us and walks with us, but then also that we can Ideally, our hearts can be open to, to see each other, to help each other, to have that generous spirit. I guess it's not easy to do, and some people won't accept that. You know, they won't accept that it's... Life is not easy. All mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Following Christ is not easy, but it's mm -hmm. beautiful. Yeah. So what is the... Going back to the core question of this season, 
what what keeps you so you were ordained when you were 34 now you said you were 47 48 48 you know, so i don't i'm know. getting old unfortunately yeah, no <laughs> over half a life <laughs> but what is what is one of the main things that has kept you it kept you as a Salesian, kept you, you still have energy, you still have, uh, <laughs> you're still there. So <laughs> is, what is there that has kept you here as a Salesian uh, with some joy? I think it's Jesus <laughs> who keeps me. <laughs> the sparkly eyes. Uh, I'm a sinner, it's Jesus who keeps me. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, to, be, to be more serious, uh, prayer. Yeah. Uh, I think as a provincial I became more faithful in God. <laughs> I have to pray more. <laughs> <laughs> and the conviction that that's it, yeah. God called me on, on this very path, and, and He is with me. I have this impression, uh, I have this feeling. It's a gift of God, I think. I haven't had any, any crises that, that would uh, get me think if, if it is, should I remain or should I leave? Mm. No, no, nothing like this. Maybe it's because I spent a lot of time before I joined the congregation, I was thinking. Yeah. Days and nights, I couldn't sleep at night. <laughs> but when I made a decision, yeah. I felt, I felt happy. Yeah. yeah, that's it. That was another sign of God to me. That's how I read it. When God calls, He also gives uh, enough grace. That's that's what I believe in. Yeah. To to become, mm, to stay. To how you call it, mm -hmm. yeah, just to stay. Not just to stay, but to develop, mm -hmm. yeah, to go on, and to encourage other people to, to follow Christ. This is our mission, uh, especially young people, you know, as solutions. Yeah. So the Polish young people in your province, in your works, how have you seen them respond? Uh, you know, so the 20-something-year-olds, how, how have they, they been responding to the refugees, mm -hmm. to the crisis of the war, to... Mm -hmm. All of these things, what do you see? You know, those young people who have you formed, how are they responding? Yeah, I, I must say, I feel sorry for them. It's, they don't have a, uh, an easy childhood, an easy mm -hmm. youth. Probably 20 or 30 years late, uh, ago, it was, it was easier. The world was uh, more simple, yeah. I suppose. But I try, uh, and I appreciate that. Of course, it is not easy now for a young boy or for a young man to say yes to a vocation uh, um, towards a religious life or, or, or priestly vocation. Mm. But uh, some of them, they, they do. They, they say, yes, we still have vocations. Mm. Maybe the numbers are not as high as there used to be uh, 20 or 30 years ago. But we have young solutions. We have candidates who, who want to, to, to join our congregation. And it's also the gift of God, and the sign that God loves us, as our constitutions say. Yeah? And the sign that we are still needed. As long as there are young people in need in this world, solutions are needed. Mm. Needed by God yeah. to be his hands and his legs and his head. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's been your favorite part of being provincial? And what's been the hardest part of being provincial? The most beautiful part of being provincial is visiting conferences mm. and talking to them. And the most challenging part of being a provincial is visiting conferences and talking <laughs> to them. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Understood. Understood. Gotcha. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, another person is a, is a gift of God and there's a cross. Mm -hmm. It's nothing new. Yeah. The same is in, the, in families, mm -hmm. in, in religious congregations, wherever. Mm -hmm. It's normal. Mm -hmm. We to, to, to accept it. Mm -hmm. 
we are sinners. I'm I'm very difficult to other people. I have to admit it. Same. <laughs> I'm I'm the greatest sinner in the world. <laughs> I think it's uh, it's an open gate to make the world better. Mm. If we think in this way, not to find enemies in somebody else, but inside me, mm. there is love and there is a source of evil. Sometimes, unfortunately. Yeah, learning how to encounter. And I think that's the great witness of community life. And, you know, I speak about this when people ask me about community life. Because before, the language was you join community life as a way of, like a more perfect way of loving, a more perfect way of living, a more perfect <coughs> vocation, all of these things. No, because the radical call of a Christian is for everybody. Now, I know married couples who are way holier than I am. I know young people who are living the faith way better than I am. And so I'm not living a more perfect life. But I think what this idea of being a prophet, you know, that of trying to live in this community with people who I didn't choose, who are not my family, who are of different cultures and different races and different ages, but finding Christ at the center and being able to encounter each other in a way that is that is deep love and, and commitment and, and working with each other's weaknesses and accepting each other and, and working together and praying together and then recognizing that it's a... It should be, but not always, you know, maybe more, more times than not, but it should be a, an example of what it's going to be, you know, of this prophetic vision of, of living in heaven, no marriage in heaven, all friends, all community, adoring God within, through him. And, and so giving witness to that in our world of, of living in a community. Mm-hmm. And so now your community is growing, I guess, with <laughs> now refugees coming in. And, you know, so it's just uh, being able to encounter the other person. So I see that in the Salesian family. It's so beautiful because we are a very diverse, big family. So in our community, we have people from different countries. We have missionaries coming in. So we yeah. are living with older and younger people. So trying to meet each other where we're at and, and accepting each other. Um, yeah. This is also what I like in the U.S. This is an example of a mixture of cultures, of traditions, of people from all over the world. Yeah. And uh, life shows that this mixture brought success. In many aspects of uh, uh, of life, and it's it proves that uh, another person, which is different from me, can be a gift of God to mm-hmm. me because he has something that I don't have. Yeah. But also, I have to be aware that I may have something that the other person doesn't have. We can share, we can exchange. That's beautiful. Yeah. I think that's this is what uh, what has uh, been done here in America for so many years. This is what I believe is also done in the Salesian world because I find uh, international Salesian communities here yeah. from all continents. It's beautiful. It's not easy, not easy. to talk <laughs> to a person who comes from, an, from a totally different cultural context than me. Mm-hmm. But... It's good for us. It, <laughs> it is. It's yeah, good it's good. good. Yeah. Like what you were saying before, no? To be able to go beyond. Go beyond our limitations. Yeah. Go beyond our own little bubble or comfort zone and the other person will draw us out of that yeah teaching us how to be generous teaching us how to be self-gift and to receive the other not easy but everything that is difficult is beautiful yes Mm -hmm. can be only things that are easy are not worth good father much and so one last question last question okay so what advice the most difficult one the most difficult one if you could give yourself past past you uh advice what would you tell yourself advice to whom to past you so maybe uh, when you were first ordained or first joining the Salesians 
or, or younger advice to anybody. A, yeah. yeah, a younger you, a younger you, what discerning. An advice. <laughs> yeah, it's really the, the hardest question. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I don't like to give advices to anybody. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it works. Sometimes it, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Yes. Maybe it sounds too proudly, but I would tell myself, do what you are doing. You can do it better, but you're on the right way. That's yeah. good. Amen. That's it. Good That's advice. Good. Like it. Look where you ended up. It's pretty okay. It's good. Thank you. Thank you so much for this nice meeting and interview. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. And all the best to all the listeners. <laughs> yes. And uh, the last thing is we always ask our guests to, to pray. To finish our podcast in prayer. So if you feel comfortable doing that English or to do it in Polish, yesterday, last week we had it in uh, Hebrew. So if you oh. would like to pray in Polish, we would love to hear. Mm -hmm. It's good okay. for us to hear. To okay, to be original, I will say uh, the prayer in Polish. Amen. I uh, propose to pray for peace, not only in Ukraine, because we must not forget that there are so many military conflicts all over the world mm -hmm. that have already been forgotten. Mm -hmm by most of us, but people are suffering, kids are crying, people are hungry, and so on. So let us pray for peace for them and peace in our hearts with the prayer, with the words that Jesus Christ taught us. Ojcze nasz, któryś jest w niebie, święcie imię Twoje, przyjdź królestwo Twoje, bądź wola Twoja, jako w niebie, tak i na ziemi. Chleba naszego powszedniego daj nam dzisiaj i odpuść nam nasze winy, jako i my odpuszczamy naszym winowajcom. I nie bądź nas na pokuszenie, ale nas zbaw od złego. Amen. Amen. Mary, help of Christians. Pray, pray for us. St. John Bosco. Pray, pray for us. St. Mary Mazzarello. Pray, pray for us. Pray for us. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Thank Father. You. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Sorry about my English. What do you mean, sorry about your English? I can never speak Polish. What do you mean? I suppose. Uh, yeah. Polish language is not easy to, to, to study. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, we'll see you Beautiful. next week. Bye. God bless. <laughs>